0: Following is a presentation of Artisan Church in Rochester,
1: New York. So our gospel reading this morning is going to come from Matthew chapter 6, verse 5 through 14. And whenever you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners so that they may be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward. But whenever you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. When you are praying, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then in this way. And I'll ask you to join me to pray in the way that Jesus asked us. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us to the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Thank you.
0: I have um, so many different thoughts swirling in my head just from that prayer and from the songs that we've been singing together. and. Um, I think it's all sort of connected to the things that I want to talk about today and in the coming weeks, but I'm not sure I can convey to you why or how. Um, I'll just say that I'm a person who is sometimes given to over explanation. No really, it's true. and so many of the, like the song lyrics, I want to just explain, why do we choose that song? Or um, the, the Bible text uh, about praying to God in secret and being forgiven in secret. And I'm just I'm swirling over there about how the, the syntax matters so much, right? Do you pray in secret? Does God reward you in secret? Does God see in secret? Why do the translators do the things they do? Why does it matter? <laughs> Why am I thinking about it right now? Or even the fact that we just prayed the Lord's Prayer along with that text from the Gospel of Matthew and kept going beyond what we consider to be the Lord's Prayer. I started to think like, well, how do we know when the quotation ends? (laughs) The Greek doesn't have quotation marks. The editors put that in there somewhere. The same thing is true in, um, famously in John chapter 3, by the way. There's a big debate among the people who make the red letter Bibles where Jesus' words are in red about which of the words should be in red and when it should stop because Jesus stopped saying stuff there and this was all just John explaining after the fact. It wasn't Jesus explaining, it was John explaining. And all of these things are going in my head and I I probably could have and maybe you would say should have just kept them to myself and (laughs) moved on. But I chose to um, articulate all of that because in the end I think it matters a lot. Because we're going to do a series on prayer for the next several weeks, specifically about recovering prayer. In other words, prayer for people who can't pray anymore. And I'll explain more about what that all means, but part of the problem that I found with prayer was that my mind wanted to keep asking those questions, and the prayers that I was praying were not sufficient to contain the expansive questions that my mind was coming up with anymore maybe that's true of you as well. Let me ask you this. What, what do you think of uh, when you think of prayer? I'm not going to ask you to answer out loud yet, but I will in a second. And so it could be a picture of what prayer looks like when someone's praying. It could be words. It uh, could be a prayer. It could be something that you've seen from pop culture. Maybe you don't have a lot of church experience and you just know prayer from the movies or whatever. Um, what I want to do is get a very brief kind of collage of everybody's experiences and uh, opinions and thoughts about prayer in a minute. But I know that some people will not be able to come to their own version or answer to that question if the, if the, like the quick, rapid thinkers start shouting out their answers yet. So I'm going to give you 25 seconds. I don't know why I said 25, but let's go with it. Of, of quiet to think about what comes to mind when I say prayer, what are you thinking of? All right, Just a few seconds of silence and then I'll ask you to shout out an answer or two. Okay. Yes. Just shout it out. The 19th annotation of saved my life. Okay. Um, I think Alicia speaks for all of us <laughs> when she says the 19th annotation of St. Ignatius saved her life. Clasping hands. Either your own or somebody else's. Oh yeah, Classp- That's wonderful. Thank you. Clasping hands. Either your own. Or somebody else's. I love how you did the like the little sideways thing. We've all not all of us. Some of us have done that. What else? Listening. Listening, okay. Great. Bowed heads. Bowed heads. Guilt. Oh guilt. All right. Wondering if anybody's listening. Wondering if anybody's listening. One way conversation. A one you say one-way conversation? Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Am I praying correctly? Am I praying correctly? Yes. As your pastor I would I must insist that you learn to pray correctly. <laughs> no, that's great. Thank you. What else? Okay,
1: my father on his knees at his bedside
0: every night. Wow, a picture of your father on his knees at his bedside every night before he went to sleep. That's a that's a powerful image. And
1: intentionality
0: uh, of decision making to make sure that you're making your decisions in faith and not in fear. Okay. Wow and intentionality about your decision makings to make sure that you are making decisions in faith and not in fear. That's lovely, and I know some of the backstory to what Penny just said, and it's, it's quite beautiful. A phone um, call with a friend, uh, who you need to really catch up with because it's been a minute. Okay, I love that. A phone call with a friend who you need to really catch up with because it's been a minute. I'm just checking the Zoom chat to see if anybody's put in anything in here. Supplication. Wow, we're going to get there actually, believe it or not. The posture of prayer, bowed head and folded hands. Humility. Humility. Wow. Okay, we could go on and on and on. Um, Thank you for those of you who shared your pictures of prayer. Um, Let me tell you a little bit about my experiences with prayer. As many of you will know, I was raised in the church. I, I started to go to church as soon as I was. You know, old enough to get put in a car seat, and um, I went to church all the time, twice on Sundays, Wednesday nights, all through school. Um, went to a Christian college that some of you are familiar with. Um, but as I was thinking through this um, about what my experience of prayer was like, what I came to kind of realize was that it was pretty simple and straightforward. My understanding of prayer for most of my uh, young life was. Pretty basic. It was just nothing more or less than talking to God. I was told by Sunday school teachers, youth group leaders, pastors, that prayer is simply talking to God. Um, Some of the specific things that came to mind for me, I was part of this group called Caravan that my denomination put on so that church kids could do something like Boy Scouts but still be in the church basement (laughs) with the church leaders and the church's teachings. And so there was this, I remember it distinctly, a page in the caravan manual about prayer that said, God always answers prayer. How many of you all believe God always answers prayer? right? But as is so often the case, the definition of answer is really at the center of that theological belief. Right? Sometimes people say God always answers prayer, meaning God will always give you what you want. What the caravan youth manual told me was that God always answers prayer, but that God has three ways of answering prayers. Does anybody know what they are? Yes, no, and wait. (laughs) Which I think sort of lets God off the hook just a little bit. I remember singing a song. What a friend we have in Jesus. And the chorus of that song says, Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. I knew that there were definitely times when you were supposed to pray. Before meals, that was called grace. Before the bus left for camp, that was called traveling mercies. At the end of Sunday school, that was called get the kids to shut up before we send them back to their parents. And most important of all, coming forward to the altar during the revival service, and that was called the sinner's prayer, which then you would repeat in your bunk bed later that night, just in case you'd sinned in the last two hours and canceled it all out. When I got to youth group, we were ready for a little bit more complicated, serious form of prayer. And so, of course, we were given an acronym. You know you're serious about your faith when you can put it in an acronym. And the acronym for prayer was ACTS. A four-step prayer formula. You won't believe what happens in step number three. (laughs) Adoration. You are so good. Oh, Lord, you are so very big. <laughs> right? Confession. Thanksgiving. And then, yes, supplication. The point being, don't bother God with your requests and needs until you've gotten all this other stuff taken care of first. Nobody ever came out and said that if you don't adore God, confess your sins, and give thanks for everything, that God won't answer your supplication prayers. But let's be honest. The acronym was ACTS. Not stack or something. (laughs) Scat. All right. Here's the thing. There is nothing inherently wrong with any of that. We're even going to sing that song after the sermon by the way. What a friend we have in Jesus because I unapologetically love it. For the most part, I am very grateful for the formation that I received in prayer. I'm very grateful for someone many many someone's telling me it's nothing more or less than talking to God. I found it mostly easy to understand and mostly sensible. <laughs> The the way I was taught to pray had an order to it. It provided me with an orientation, a direction. But at a certain point in my life, that approach to prayer stopped working for me. Specifically, when I began to have an experience of doubting my faith, of calling everything into question that I'd been raised with, the the models of prayer kind of came along on that journey. And I found that what had once been orderly and orienting to me was no longer useful because my faith was in disorder and I felt spiritually disoriented. Disoriented. How could I pray these simplistic prayers anymore when I had woken up to the fact that everything is in fact very, very complicated? How could I apply the Acts formula, praying to a God that I didn't quite understand anymore and some days wasn't even sh- I wasn't even sure it was there? Adoration's a little tricky in those moments. And so at one point, I found I simply could not pray anymore at all. And I know that many, many of you have found yourselves in that same situation. Not all of you, I fully acknowledge it's not all of you. And I'm not saying that your experience is immature or underdeveloped, but I do know that for many of you, because some of you have said these words to me, I simply can't even. I can't pray anymore at all. And now you've found yourself in the place where you've done that thing where you take this cardboard box that's labeled my faith and you've dumped out all the meaning and purpose and practices that you've had for as long as you've been a person of faith and it's all sitting there on the table unsorted in a big old mess. And you're staring at it wondering if it should be scooped into a bucket and taken to the curb, if any of it is worth putting back in the box, or my favorite metaphor of all, if the box that you carried it in was the problem all along. No, I am through that experience, I have not arrived, not remotely, but I have been through that experience And here's what I can and can't tell you. What I can't tell you is that I've recovered the simple orderly version of prayer that I once had. I haven't recovered that, and to be honest with you, I don't expect that I ever will. But I can say that I have found new ways to pray, new ways to understand prayer, that have cracked open a door that used to feel as if it had been slammed shut and locked tight. So if any of that resonates with you, and frankly, even if it doesn't, this series is for you. It's for people who can't pray anymore, and I hope that I will be able to take you on this journey with me. And if I could sum up with just one word what I hope this series will be, that one word is expansive. My deepest hope is that some of you who are in that place where you can't pray anymore will realize that prayer is actually so much more than you imagined it to be. And that perhaps a more accurate description of your situation right now is that you can't pray the same way anymore. And if you could be given some new ways to pray, some new ways to understand prayer, perhaps that door will crack open for you as well. So we're going to talk about prayer for five weeks. I think somewhere in there we have also a What's Saving My Faith sharing time, which I'm really excited for that to continue. I'm also really excited for what we're going to be doing on Tuesdays during this series, and it starts this Tuesday, which is to say a couple days from now. Tuesday nights at 6.30 here at Artisan, we will be doing Recovering Prayer workshops where you will get a chance to practice new ways of praying. Some of them will be things that I talk about on Sundays. Some of them will be completely different, not talked about on Sundays at all. But all of them will be above and beyond and expanding past the kind of simple, orderly ways of prayer that I described for you from my upbringing at least, and I wonder if that matches with you as well. So please come starting this Tuesday. Um, And my promise to you is that if it's nice We'll go outside if you want to. Um, I'm that professor. I'm the one (laughs) who's like, yes, we can do class outside this week. Um, I might even bring some some Klondike bars, if you're good. If you're good. If more than 10 people show up, we'll have Klondike bars. Fewer than 10. (laughs) All right. So here's the, uh, here's the topics, the titles. It's all pray with blank. Um, I'm gonna talk about praying with your feet, which is a phrase that I borrowed from Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel, which is the idea of getting stuff done that you're praying for, actually being part of the solution, right? I'm gonna talk about praying with your ears, which is a version of listening prayer. Uh, Dan mentioned listening prayer. I'm going to talk about praying with your emotions. In other words, don't feel like you have to tamp them down and be an entirely rational person, but actually do what practically every character in the whole Bible did, which is come to God with all you've got, every bit of your emotional being. And I'm going to talk about praying with your community. What it means to pray for each other and alongside each other Because sometimes you can't pray, but the person next to you can, and that person can lift you up. And then next week, that person won't be able to pray, and it's your job to lift them up, right? But today, uh, in the brief time I have left, I'm going to talk about praying with a script. Pray with a script. I'm not a theater person. Some of you are theater people I know. In my experience, at at many of the times when I could not find the words to pray, the way out of that conundrum was to use pre-written prayers. Prayers that could give voice to what was happening in my spirit when I couldn't find the words myself. And I don't know about you, but I went most of my life in that sort of simple, orderly, sensical version of understanding prayer thinking that pre-written prayers were stale, that they were unimaginative, and that they were not as good a connection to the divine as something that you could come up with off the top of your head. Baloney. Dan has a different word for that. You can ask him what it is after. (laughs) (laughs) And as a matter of fact, not to denigrate anybody from my past, including my past self, but sometimes even the slickest version of those extemporaneous prayers are every bit as repetitive as the scripted prayers. I have to throw that word just in there a few times. So if you are one of the people who's kind of like, I'm not sure about scripted prayers. I don't think pre-written prayers really connect me to God in the same way. The first thing I would say to you is uh, look to Jesus and the gospel reading that we encountered just a few minutes ago. Now, am I 100% sure that when Jesus told the apostles, when you pray, pray this way, our Father in heaven, etc. that he was giving them a scripted prayer that they should use forever? No, I'm not 100% sure that that's true. I am 100% sure that the fact that the church has interpreted that way has been a gift to us because there have been thousands and thousands of devotionals and sermons written about the Lord's Prayer and we still have not finished plumbing the depths of beauty and wisdom and meaning and sacredness that's there in those words. So let me give you a couple of other versions of that. If you, everybody kind of knows the Lord's Prayer. Even if, you didn't, you, even if you're not a religious person and don't really pray very much, you, you, when we started saying those words together, you're like, oh, that's the, that's the thing I already heard. I know that one. Here's a couple of other versions that maybe can take you beyond that. One is a, a, the prayer books of the church. And I would point first and foremost to the Book of Common Prayer, which is the prayer book of the Episcopal Church, the Anglican Church. Uh, and all of m- many denominations that have kind of derived from those larger ones. Uh, we used a prayer from the Book of Common Prayer earlier in this service. I don't know if you know it or not, but I'm curious how many of you would know the words. If I said, Most Merciful God, what would you say? Most Merciful God. We confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. All right, well, you don't have to say the whole thing, but some of you know the whole thing because we've used it over and over again, and that written prayer, that scripted prayer, that stale, stodgy, old prayer that's not a real connection to God has made its way into your bones and given voice to the idea of confessing one's sins. And um, By the way, those plural pronouns in there matter, greatly, because we are confessing sins as a community when we do that prayer, when we say that prayer. The Book of Common Prayer is like this thick, though, and that prayer is like half a page. (laughs) There's all kinds of other goodness in that book. And uh, spoiler alert, on Tuesday, uh, Jesse Pierce is actually going to be leading our Recovering Prayer workshop, kicking us off with a session on the Book of Common Prayer and the many ways that that's been meaningful and formative in his life. And I can't wait for that, and I hope that 10 or more of you will show up to that so that I can give you some Klondike bars while you learn more about it. Similarly, somewhat relatedly, is fixed hour prayer. Fixed hour prayer just means you pray certain prayers at certain times of day, and this comes from a monastic tradition, but you do not have to live and work in an abbey or a convent to do this kind of prayer. Um, All right, who's gonna be my errand person? Uh, And go to my office and get books for me. (laughs) Um, While Dan runs and gets me the Divine Hours hardcover book and the little brown thin leather book that's on top of it, (laughs) you ever do something and you're you're getting something ready to go and you're like, okay, I cannot forget this, and then two seconds later, (laughs) me neither. (laughs) So uh, what Dan's going to bring back is, is one of the books that I use for this, which is called the Divine Hours. It's edited by the lovely lovely late phyllis tickle and yes that's her real name and i will not entertain any chuckling or chortling about it because she was a saint Um, the divine hours uh, i've stalled it long enough now thank you Uh, yes yes i was scatting thank you Um, the divine hours gives you simply uh fixed prayers for different times of day for every week, every day of the year. And it's actually a three volume set. This is the prayers for summertime, which uh, starts in the month of June. So we're not quite ready for it, but if we were in the month of June, we could look at the morning office, the midday office, the evening office, and the, uh, the office is like the, the, the official prayers for that time. And there's a series of prayers that you can just read through and pray, and they're all beautiful. Um, Some of them come from things like the Book of Common Prayer, and they sort of sort it into the season of the year and the time of day. Um, And some of them, most of them, in fact, are from Scripture. But I usually do this in the morning, and so let me read you the concluding prayer for the morning office. It's always the same every day of the year. Lord God, Almighty and Everlasting Father, you have brought me in safety to this new day. Preserve me with your mighty power, that I may not fall into sin, nor be overcome by adversity, and in all I do, direct me to the fulfilling of your purpose through Jesus Christ, my Lord. Amen. And that's the concluding prayer uh, of every morning office that I've been, you know, when I do it, been doing for years and years. This is something that's worked really well to me for me, and you can get the you can get the books. Um, you can also find it online if you just do a Google search for. Divine Hours. You will come across an online version Um, that gets hosted by a Vineyard Church. Really cool. Uh, Another version of scripted prayer that I would commend to you, with some caution, is what's called an occasional prayer book, (laughs) which doesn't necessarily mean you only do it once in a while. Occasional, in this sense, means it's for specific occasions, right? And uh, we have a quite young congregation, so I don't do very much hospital hospital visitation, but if I ever have visited you in the hospital, you've probably seen me come in with this little book, Prayers Public and Personal. And the reason I do that is because it's times like that when someone is in real crisis where I feel least equipped to pray for them in a way that's meaningful and will bring them comfort and draw them closer to the presence of God. That's when I most need a script for my prayer. And no, it's not a cop-out and it's not um, less meaningful. In fact, it's profound. Let me give you an example. So this book has prayers for all sorts of occasions. Here's a prayer for one facing surgery. Some of you have had surgery recently or are thinking of surgery coming up. Let me pray this for you. Comforting Holy Spirit, I'm just going to use a generic name, bless now Pat as they are about to have surgery. Release them from anxieties and fears, leaving confidence in both your watchful care and the skills of the surgical team. With thanksgiving, we acknowledge that you, God, who are so faithful in the routines of our lives, are an especially good and dependable God in life's emergencies and stressful moments. Now grant your peace to Pat, this day in your love and care in the name and power of Christ. There's something for everything in this little book. Here's the caution with a book like this. This book is heavily editorialized. Have you ever noticed that you can tell a lot about a person's theology by the way they pray? Have you ever been prayed over (laughs) by a person... (laughs) Yeah, it's a very uncomfortable experience, right? Not to put fine a point on it, but as an example, ask a disabled person if they've ever been prayed over without having asked for that. Or a transgender person. Thank you, or a transgender person, right? Please don't use prayer as, as a weapon. Please don't use prayer as a sermon. Please don't use prayer to try to convert somebody to something. But even in a more kind of well-meaning, innocuous form, a book like this does imply certain things, right? I'm pretty sure this one's good because I wouldn't have kept it around if it wasn't. But I haven't looked at it recently and I'm curious what the prayer might be for a person with a mental illness. Sometimes a prayer for a person with a mental illness assumes that that person is possessed by a demon. Baloney. Um, so you have to be careful with this kind of thing. And it's not just this book. It's every book like this. Um, be careful that the, the editor or author of the prayers that you're using isn't pulling you into something that you actually don't believe and does not congruent with how you understand God or humanity. Whatever the, the method, whether it's the Book of Common Prayer or Fixed Hour Prayer or occasional prayers from a devotional book, the enormous benefit of this approach to prayer is that it saves us from having to come up with our own words. And if I haven't made it clear yet, I gotta tell you, sometimes my own words are not enough. When I come in on a Sunday morning after the world has seen another tragedy, a, a, a flagrant act of racial injustice, one more mass shooting, turmoil, tides of war. And when I feel like we have to pray about this as a community, those are the times when I most decide not to be extemporaneous. And I go to the sources that I trust because in a great gift to the church, there are, there are people who are so gifted in this who I can go hear from and whose prayers I can bring to you that we can pray together. And you, can, you don't have to wait for a tragedy to do that. You don't have to only do that at times when the words are very, very hard to come by. You can use these types of scripted prayers all day, every day, every day of the year. And I don't know if it's true for you, but I do know it was true for me that a big part of how I felt spiritually stuck was not having the words to pray. And so I commend to you scripted prayers. That's praying with a script. I hope that you will join us for the rest of this series as we seek to expand our understanding of prayer and find new fresh ways to encounter the divine to experience the warm and loving presence of Christ our savior and i hope you'll come on tuesdays as well and let me conclude with one last scripted prayer for all of us it's called how shall i pray how shall i pray our tears prayers lord our screams prayers or groans, or sighs, or curses? Can trembling hands be lifted to you, or clenched fists, or the cold sweat that trickles down my back, or the cramps that knot my stomach? Will you accept my prayers, Lord, my real prayers, rooted in the muck and mud and rock of my life, and not just my pretty, cut flower, gracefully arranged bouquet of words? Will you accept me, Lord, as I really am, messed up mixture of glory and grime? Lord, help me. Help me to trust that you do accept me as I am, that I may be done with self-condemnation and self-pity and accept myself. Help me to accept you as you are, Lord, mysterious, hidden, strange, unknowable. Now, O Lord, Calm us into a quietness that heals and listens and molds our longings and passions, our wounds and wonderings into a more holy and human shape. Amen.
1: For more information, visit us at
0: artisanchurch.com.